Praise God. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his church. Praise God that you're here today on all of our campuses. If I've never met you before, my name's Clayton King, one of your pastors here. And a lot of good things have happened this week. As a matter of fact, as far as I know, right here, right now, at every one of our campuses, the air conditioning is working and it's blowing cold air in your face right now. And after the 100 degree plus week we had, we're thankful for that. I also want to celebrate something else good today. Some of you may know that my wife and I started a ministry uh, 27 years ago or so called Crossroads, and we do summer camps. Week one of our summer camps just wrapped up on Friday. We saw 230 teenagers give their lives to Jesus for salvation. I want to celebrate that. I want to tell God thank you for doing something so good. God is moving in the earth. Don't believe all the bad news. God is moving in the earth. He is sovereign and he is seeking and saving the lost. Well, if you know anything about me, I've been at New Spring since day one, 22 years ago. You've probably heard me share. If you're new, you may not have heard this, but uh, I'm adopted. I was born in 1972, November of 1972. And my biological mother, who I never got to meet because she passed away a few years ago, was a woman that found herself in a situation. She found herself in what many of us would call an unplanned or an unwanted or a crisis pregnancy. Let me tell you what happened in her life. I didn't know this until I located my biological family a few years ago with the help of Ancestry.com. My mom uh, got pregnant with me while her husband was fighting in Vietnam. He was in the jungles of Vietnam fighting a war and she had an unplanned pregnancy occur in her life. And uh, there was a different day back then. This was almost 50 years ago. My mom, because of shame and fear, moved an hour and a half away from her home, did not tell anyone she was pregnant except one sister. She hid the pregnancy and the birth, my birth, from everyone in her family except for her one sister. She felt like her options were limited when she got pregnant with me. So this week, as we have seen Roe versus Wade be overturned in America, lots of people have lots of reactions and responses to that. And I want to tell you personally from me and corporately from our church, as a church, we believe in the sanctity and the dignity of every single human life from the womb to the tomb, because we believe that every human being is made in the image of God. And we believe in the sanctity and the dignity of lives made by God created in his image. And so at the same time, we want to say, and I want to say on behalf of our church as one of your pastors, we are committed to helping women when they find themselves in a situation that they feel like they cannot fix. Church, we've prayed for a long time for lots of things. Now it's time for us to double down and step up even more. It's time for us to put our money where our mouth is and continue the partnerships we have with pregnancy care centers. It's time for many of us to put our prayers to action, to open up our homes to women who may find themselves, whether they live in poverty or they have a, 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 a pregnancy without a father involved. Uh, it's time for us to open up our homes. It's time for us to open up our hearts, open up our pocketbooks, our purses, and our wallets. We are the church, and it's our great honor and our great calling to help women fight the lie of the enemy that you have to live in shame. If you've had an abortion, if you've considered an abortion, 
or if you are currently considering one right now. Satan wants to heap shame on you. We as a church will never shame anyone. We will talk about repentance. We will preach the grace of Jesus Christ and the mercy through the cross that Jesus poured out for us when he shed his blood. And we will open our arms and our doors to anyone who has a need, specifically women who may be fighting to make a good decision, to make a tough decision, or fighting the shame that the enemy may bring against you because of decisions you've made in your past. So I want to make sure you hear us clearly. We love you. We are for you. And our doors and our arms and our hearts are open to women. Specifically in this moment, I wanted to be clear and I want to be heartfelt in what I had to say to our church. Can we just honor the Lord in the way that we care for people and the way that we love those around us? Let's honor the Lord in how we serve and how we give. Well, it's my joy today to preach for the next two and a half hours on the shield of faith. I've been waiting to preach this message a long time. We're in a series called Stand Firm. This is a series on spiritual warfare. And what I get to do today is I get to talk about the shield of faith. Faith is sometimes easier to talk about than to act upon. I have a working definition of, for faith and what I think may help you. This is not an actual Bible verse, but let me give you my working definition of faith. Faith is acting as if something is so even when it's not so, so that it might become so just because God said so. That's what faith is. It's me and you in a tight spot, in a tough situation, acting as if something is so, even when it's not so, so that it might become so just because God said so. Faith means I choose to actively believe the promises of God. Faith is not passive, faith is active. Faith requires me to move, faith requires me to do something. Faith requires you to get up, faith requires action. Every other piece of the armor that we've looked at so far from Ephesians 6 is something that you wear and put on. Today, we're gonna look at the shield of faith, which is not something you put on, it's something you pick up. So in, in preparation for this, I decided this week um, that I, y'all don't know this about me, but I'm also an archaeologist because I watched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple of times. So I flew to Greece where, where these shields were invented, and I went on an archaeological dig with a shovel and a pickaxe, and I dug up a shield. And you're not going to believe how well-preserved this shield was as Allison brings out the shield that I dug up this week in Athens, Greece, with my own two hands. Thank you, Allison. This is um, actually not an archeological piece. This came from Amazon. Um, and uh, ironically, it even says it is a fully functioning shield. You could throw your car keys at me right now. And with my ninja skills, I would block it just like that. That's what a shield of faith does. A shield of faith defends us from attack. This is what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 tells us in regards to the shield of faith. Let me read that for you. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish not some, but all the flaming darts of the evil one. We are called to pick up a shield of faith. And in all circumstances, we can put out all the fiery darts 
that the enemy will launch at us. Now, if you've missed some of our Sundays in this series, let me say something for your sake and for those of you who have been here as a reminder to all of our campuses. As a church, we believe the Bible, and because we believe the Bible, we believe the devil is real. He is not equal to God. He is subservient to God. God is all-powerful. Satan is not. Let me just say it this way. We believe as a church that Satan is real. We also believe that Satan is relentless, that he is always launching attacks against the church of God, that he is always trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And because we know from the Bible that Satan is real and we know that Satan is relentless, we must be ready. We have to be ready for his attacks. We shouldn't be surprised when the enemy comes after us. Now, not everything bad that happens to us is spiritual attack or spiritual warfare. If I am speeding, doing 25 miles an hour over the speed limit, and a state trooper or a police officer pulls me over and gives me a ticket, that is not Satan attacking me. That is me breaking the law. That's not spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare happens when I decide what I'm going to do in response to that as I pay the fine. Satan is real. Satan is relentless. So we must be ready. And our word of God today for us from Ephesians 6.16 is that we get to take up the shield of faith. Point number one, straight from the scripture, the shield of faith works in all Circumstances, that's a good word, all circumstances. It says it right there in plain English. There is not a circumstance in your life you're gonna face. There is not a single discouraging thing you will go through. There's not one hurtful word someone may speak to you that will cause you to be challenged, that will cause you to struggle, that the shield of faith cannot help you defend against. It is effective in all circumstances. And the reason why it has to be effective in all circumstances is simply because the enemy is relentless in his attack against us. This is good news. 1 Peter 5.8 gives us a warning and also some of Satan's tactical plan to attack us. Here's what Peter says to us today. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if you don't believe in the devil, then that means the devil has you right where he wants you. If you don't believe Satan is real, then he's already defeated you. But we know the devil is real and relentless, and so we know by God's word we have a shield that will protect us in all circumstances. As Satan seeks to devour us, faith is our defense. Satan wants to devour, God wants to defend, and faith is our defense. When we put faith in God's promises, it's like a shield that blocks the blows. Faith means I believe that what God has said is true. Faith means I act as if God's promises are for me. And I wrote this in my notes. Faith, when I think about the shield of faith, faith is your fire extinguisher 
and faith is your force field. How many of you have, um, raise your hand if you do, don't lie because you're in church. We shouldn't lie anywhere, especially church. Raise your hand if you have a functional fire extinguisher in your house and you know where it's at. That's a majority of this room. For the rest of you, this should be a wake-up call to you. Raise your hand if you have um, fire alarms in your house and they drive you crazy because when the battery goes off, they won't stop. They're not like a child. You let your kid cry until they finally fall asleep. But that fire extinguisher, I mean that fire alarm, beep, 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 beep. We would rather ignore that. But in reality, you don't know that you need a fire extinguisher until the fire has started. The shield of faith is there to stop the fire before it burns your house down. Think about this. When the Greeks invented this shield and the Romans perfected it, what they did, they learned that in battle, when they would face off against their enemies, their enemies would launch arrows at them. Hand-to-hand combat was not nearly as effective as shooting a a volley or a lobby of arrows prior to engaging your enemies. So they learned that not only would enemies shoot arrows at you, but you've probably seen this in movies like Braveheart or Gladiator or 300, they would wrap their wooden shield in leather and then they would soak that wooden shield and the leather in water so that when a flaming arrow would hit the shield, the shield would do the work. That's how faith works in the life of a believer. It's like a fire extinguisher. Riley is our campus pastor here in Anderson. Your campus pastor at your campus would tell you the same exact thing. Oftentimes as pastors, we don't get a phone call or a text until the house is on fire. What I mean by that is, even this week, uh, three different pastoral conversations I'm personally involved in. One involving a potential divorce, one involving a, a cancer diagnosis, and one involving someone losing their job. Sometimes when those flaming flaming darts come at us, if we don't have the shield of faith up to put out the flaming dart, it ends up setting the house on fire. The good news is, as a church, we're here for you no matter what stage of of the fire you're in. We'll be here for you. We'll serve you. We'll minister to you. But wouldn't it be better to have the shield of faith prepared to put out all the flaming arrows so that you can stop the flaming dart when it hits the shield? Because if that dart gets through and it lands in your life and it lands in your house, the reason why it's flaming is because fire grows. And Satan wants to burn your life down. Satan wants to burn your marriage down. Satan wants to burn your business down. Satan wants to burn your family down. He hates you. It might be important for me to tell you why Satan hates you for a moment. Because there's a lot of talk about the shield of faith. But why would Satan be so literally hell-bent on taking you to hell? Why? And it's because he hates you. Why does he hate you? Because you remind him of God. You're made in God's image. You bear the imago Dei, the image of God. So when Satan looks at me, he sees the God he could not ever be and the God he could not ever beat. It's important that we understand the theology of that. And the shield of faith is like a force field. I finished up the last episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi this past week. Now, I don't care if you like Star Wars or not. I do, and I'm going to watch it just for nostalgia's sake. And, I, and, I, and, and, and as, uh, as the ship that Obi-Wan Kenobi was on leaves the planet, Darth Vader gets on the destroyer, and like in all the Star Wars movies, the destroyer is shooting at the small ship of rebels, and, and, and they're firing those lasers, and what protected that ship? A force field. 
You have a force field. It's your faith. But number two, the shield of faith only works if you pick it up. It doesn't work if it's just sitting there. The shield of faith doesn't work unless you and I actively participate with God in advancing his kingdom and standing firm as the people of God. You don't put on a shield of faith. You pick up the shield of faith. Let me give an example of, of what I'm talking about. Um, I brought two props. They're not just props. They serve other purposes. But for me, picking up the shield of faith on a regular basis might look like me getting up early in the morning and picking up the Bible. We're a Bible church. We believe the Bible, teach the Bible, preach the Bible. So when I pick up the shield of faith, what that might look like practically for me is I spend a little less time binging Netflix and a little more time digesting the word of God. So many times I felt like God is not speaking to me while my Bible sits on my desk unopened and unread. This is what it looks like to pick up the shield of faith, to read the word, to meditate on the word, to memorize the word. When I read the word of God, my faith grows, my trust in God grows. Picking up the shield of faith might look like picking up your phone and instead of getting on Facebook to see who else is angry and mad about something so that you can get stirred up and more angry and more triggered and more mad, maybe you text a friend and say, I'm having a hard time today. I need to borrow some faith from you. Can you pray for me? Or maybe for me, this is a rule that I have in my life. Uh, I'm an extrovert and I love to encourage people, but I also love to be encouraged. I'm a words guy. And so what I found is if I sit around waiting on people to encourage me, I might not get what I think I need. So I have a rule every morning before 8 a.m. I will text at least one friend or one pastor an encouraging word or a Bible verse. I do it every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, regardless of circumstances, unless I'm unconscious in a hospital, which just happened to me recently. And I think I missed a few days, but I'm I'm telling you, if you pick this up, it's like picking up the shield of faith. We all have access to the shield of faith. We all have access to the word of God. We all have access to God's promises. But a lot of times, the shield will remain here when what we need to do is bring it up in front of us. Let me tell you a story uh, to illustrate this. Back in, uh, I believe it was the 1980s, um, Jane Fonda, who was famous for many things, became famous for her workout videos. I bet you some of y'all in here bought those workout videos. And oh, I've got women raising their hands right here to testify. Yes, I watched it on my VCR. I'm not gonna ask if anybody is still watching tapes on their VCR, but I have a friend who told me a story when he was in middle school, his mom and dad got sucked into the Jane Fonda video workout craze. It went viral back when only viruses went viral. He said he came home from middle school one day and his mom and dad had put on some weight. They wanted to get in shape. He said, I walked in the house and I could hear in the den Jane Fonda yelling at my mom and dad. Don't quit, suck it up, breathe in, feel the burn. He said, so I got a snack and I walked around the corner and when I walk into the den, I thought my mom and dad would be in the middle of the floor sweating their guts out. But to my surprise, my mom was sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream and my dad was sitting in the recliner eating a bowl of popcorn watching Jane Fonda work out. That's a true story. How many of us have access to the shield of faith? 
And we'll listen to Pastor Brad or Pastor Clayton or somebody else teach about it. We'll read about it. We'll amen at the right point. But at some point, you've got to pick it up. Come to church on Sunday and get around other people. Begin to tithe. Begin to serve. Reach out in humility and ask someone for help. It's got to be picked up or it will not defend you against the attacks of the enemy. Oh, and by the way, let, 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 me, let me point out one of the greatest aspects of the shield of faith. Our faith works when we're connected with others. Amen. Our faith works when we're connected with others. As a matter of fact, the shield of faith was designed in such a way that it connected with other shields. It was called the shield wall. When I was sick back in October, I, I caught up on some, some shows. I, I watched an entire season of Last Kingdom. I am Uthred, son of Uthred. Destiny is all. And I can talk like a Viking when I want to. Um, I also watched this, this series called Vikings. And, and, and in both of these series, kind of like in 300 or, or like you may have seen in the movie Gladiator, they learned that a shield could do some good work by itself, but it could be much more effective connected to others. There's actually a name for it. It's called the phalanx, interlocking shields, so that these shields were not only created to defend you against an attacker that came right at you, but the sides and even the tops of the shield could be connected so that men would come together and form an impenetrable wall. Some historians have even alluded to the fact that Rome conquered the world behind a shield wall. We're stronger when we're together. We're stronger when we're connected. We're stronger when we are in proximity with our sisters and our brothers. It takes faith to connect your shield to someone else. It takes a lot of faith to ask someone if you can borrow some of their faith. I wrote this in my notes. This actually occurred to me early this morning in my study at my house. Let me tell you about my shield wall. I have a shield wall. Three of them are sitting right here. My wife, Shari, she's part of my shield wall. I have to borrow faith from her. Jacob and Joseph are here today, my two sons. They've prayed for me in times in my life when I have needed faith and I had none. Riley Cummings and Tara Cummings are sitting on the front row. Riley will call, text, and encourage me. So many just at this campus know what, what Riley has done as a campus pastor. This past Wednesday, Tara prayed for me on this stage before I pre-recorded the message and encouraged me greatly with her prayer. And I told her backstage how much I appreciated her. Men like Justin Brock and Lee McDermott and Brad Cooper, even on the front row, I'm looking right here where I'm at and, and uh, Donna Shepard and Keith Shepard are sitting right here. I work out at the YMCA and every time I walk past Donna at the YMCA, she builds my faith. She encourages me. The bottom line is we need each other. We can't fight against the devil. He's relentless and he's real and he's bloodthirsty for your soul. I can't be a lone ranger out here by myself. I'm not Wonder Woman. I don't have bulletproof wrists with little bracelets on them that can dodge and, and block all the fiery darts the enemy. I need a, a shield of faith, but I've got to connect it with other people so that when I'm weak, I can lean on you. And listen, if you are out there by yourself trying to live for Jesus alone, you're a sitting duck for the devil. Amen. And if you're not a Christian and you haven't ever given your life to Jesus and you're not saved, you're a sitting duck for the devil. As a matter of fact, the, the shield of faith for me immediately makes me think about salvation. 
It is by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, Ephesians 2 says. It's the gift of God, not by works so that we can't boast. The greatest way I can shield my life by faith from the devil is to give my life fully and totally to Jesus Christ, to be saved and to walk in that salvation. And the whole point of the shield of faith, the whole point of the armor of God is that we stand firm in order to move forward. We stand firm in order to move forward. You can see this in some of the depictions from the movies I've mentioned. These men would put their shields up, lock their shields together, and inch by inch, they, they would, someone in command would say, move one inch forward, move one inch forward, move one inch forward. Isn't that what the life of a believer looks like? We, we don't get many mountaintop experiences, but what we do get is the daily grind. What we do get is a struggle with addiction, a bad report from the doctor, aging parents that we have to, to handle and deal with. What we do get is misunderstandings with family members, disagreements about politics that you're already thinking is gonna make Thanksgiving and Christmas really awkward. What we do get is frustration at work. What we do get is sometimes anger and, and resentment and bitterness because of past hurt or disappointment. These are all flaming arrows from the enemy is launching at us. And so I wanna, I wanna help you realistically understand what it looks like to stand firm and move forward. It might just be one inch at a time. That's how you stand firm. It might just be one small step of faith at a time. That's how you stand firm. Praise God you're at church today. We're never gonna be a church that yells at the people who come on Sunday because we're upset about the people that don't come on Sunday. You made it to church today. You're here or maybe you're watching online because you're sick or you're on vacation this week. Praise God, that is a small step of faith. That is one inch forward, one inch forward, one inch forward. And when we get to heaven and the new kingdom and the new earth becomes a reality, we'll get there one small step of faith at a time. You don't have to do anything epic or awesome. You just have to take that one small step of faith at a time. To give that amount of money God told you to give, to donate that car to a single mom, to open up that spare bedroom that nobody's lived in for a long time, to finally begin to do that thing that you know God has told you to do by faith. As a matter of fact, when I think about the shield wall, when I think about everybody taking up the shield of faith, locking our faith arm in arm with our sisters and our brothers. To me, that's the ultimate picture of who we are as a church at New Spring because we want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, locking arms by faith, helping each other when we're down, pulling each other up when we fall, not shaming each other for the mistakes we make or the sins we commit, but putting our arm around each other and saying, I understand, I've been there too. Let's walk this road together. We desperately need each other and praise God we have each other if we will simply exercise our faith. You know, when um, I was working on this message, I was thinking back over the last three years of my life. It's been a hard three years, y'all. I mean, I know we've all been through it. I was just thinking about how much I've needed the shield of faith. 
I'll be 50 in November. I've been following Jesus for 35 years, but the last three years in a lot of ways have been the best three years of my life. In a lot of ways, they've been some of the most challenging. Um, a couple of years ago, Shari and I were at the Charleston campus. We were going to host a Sunday service and 4 a.m. before Sunday, Sunday morning, 4 a.m., Shari's rushing me to Roper St. Francis Hospital. They do a test. They tell me my gallbladder is diseased, and they have to perform emergency surgery, take out my gallbladder. I survived. It was a long and difficult recovery. And then, of course, no one could have, could have predicted 2020 and what that would look like. I, I got COVID the first time. I was sick for two weeks. I was really out of commission for about the next eight weeks Never felt anything like that before. Then I got COVID again. The second time it wasn't quite as bad, but it was still pretty tough. And then um, Shari's dad passed away. And because of COVID, I had COVID when her daddy died. I couldn't even go to the funeral. My wife had to go to the funeral without me. And then um, back in October, I had appendicitis. I, I didn't know that an organ you didn't need could cause that much pain and suffering. I almost died. Um, I had to go back in the hospital after sepsis kicked in. It was a long, difficult recovery. So I've lost two vital organs in the last year and a half at that point, two years. I don't wanna lose any more. I wanna keep what I've got now. And then on top of the appendicitis, kid you not, Jacob and I are coming back from an event in Texas where we preached together and our 747 plane crashed in Atlanta. Blew out the tires as we landed. I literally thought this is the, like, kind of like Fred Sanford. This is the big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming to join you, honey. Oh, this is it. I've, I've flown a lot. I guess my jig is up. It's time. Lord spared our life. Literally a plane crash. Do you know how many times over the last three years I've had to pick up the shield of faith? Over and over and over and over again. So I want to help you understand that you don't just pick up the shield of faith the day you get saved. Some of y'all are about to get saved right now at all of our campuses. I believe that. I believe we're going to have people that will take up the shield of faith for the first time in about 30 seconds and pray to receive Christ. But the shield of faith is kind of like taking a bath. You don't just do it one time and say, I'm good. You got to take this thing up every day. I've got to feast on the word every day. I've got to pray every day. I've got to lock arms with my brothers and sisters every day. I've got to put my shield in the shield wall and advance so that I can stand firm every single day. That's how faith works. It is not passive. It's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. So I want to pray for you. But before I pray for you, I want to ask you this question. One more time, I want to be very direct and very clear. Have you ever actually had the faith to ask Jesus to save you. I'm still being saved, but I was born again when I was 14 as a, as a young, young man in the eighth grade. For the first time in my life, I didn't know that was what I was doing, but I took up the shield of faith when I invited Jesus to take away my sin. And since then, that shield of faith has been available to me. If you don't know Jesus today, don't let the devil destroy and devour you. Let Jesus defend you. Take up the shield of faith. Open your heart to Christ and invite him in to save you. And the Bible is so clear. If you will confess your sin to Jesus, he'll forgive you and he'll save you on the dot. Right then on the spot. All you have to do is ask and believe. And that's my prayer for you right now. But I can't just pray the prayer for you. The good thing about Jesus is he's accessible to all of us, just like the shield of faith. Jesus is accessible to you right now at your campus, right where you are. 
And so no matter what you've been through, what battles you fought, what scars you carry, what shame you've had to push back against, no matter what your life has looked like up until this point, you can take up the shield of faith today for the very first time by inviting the King of Kings to come into your life, putting faith in him and giving your life to him. So I'm gonna invite you to do that. I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes together and I'm gonna ask everyone to open their hearts. Would you just open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now? Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him, beginning with salvation and a life of discipleship, following him as Lord. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus right now, then just ask him to come into your heart. Pray this to him right where you are. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe you died for me. So I repent of my sin. I need you in my life. I confess that you're Lord. I want to know you. I want to follow you, Jesus. So here and now, I trust you. Here and now, I ask you to save me. Here and now, I receive your love. I'm yours now, Jesus, for real. Could you keep your eyes closed, please? I wanna ask at your campus, or online even, if you just prayed that prayer, do something right where you sit with your heart open and your eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus for real and you meant it, would you raise your hand straight up above your head? I'm not gonna make you come forward. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. Just raise your hand right now. I'm gonna count hands in this room just to stir our faith. Raise your hand if you just prayed to receive Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You can put your hands down. Eight people in this room that just took up the shield of faith for the very first time. Now here's what I'm gonna ask all of us to do. At your campus, I'm sure many of you responded as well. We're gonna close out our gathering in a special way today. So I'm gonna ask everyone to open their eyes and I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up right now at all of our campuses. We don't know how many people just responded in faith, but we know that eight in one room did. Can we celebrate the grace and salvation of our God? on display today at our campuses. And I'm gonna pray as the band comes to lead your campus in worship. And while I'm praying, I'm gonna ask our ministry teams to get in place. And I'm gonna ask you if you need, as a Christian, to do something with that shield of faith, or if you just gave your life to Jesus, when I begin to pray, our ministry teams are gonna move to position up front and to the sides. I'm gonna ask you to go to one of our ministry team members. And ministry team members, you can be um, appropriately aggressive. If you, seen, if you saw someone raise their hand, go to them. If you know someone needs prayer, it's okay, go to them. And we're gonna respond by moving. That's one way we can take up the shield of faith. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I give you glory and honor that you have given us access to the shield of faith. And I thank you for those who have put their faith in you for the first time today. And I pray that as soon as we begin to sing, they would move to a ministry team member, that they would let someone know they have made a decision today to put their faith in you for the first time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.